Chapters 33, 34, and 35 of Ruth Hall by Fanny Fern. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 33 Who's that coming up the garden walk, doctor? said the old lady. Ruth's father is true as the world. Ah, I understand. We shall see what we shall see. Mind you keep a stiff upper lip, doctor. Good morning, doctor, said Mr. Ellet. "'Good morning, sir,' said the doctor stiffly. "'Fine place you have here, doctor.' "'Very,' replied the doctor. "'I have just come from a visit to Ruth,' said Mr. Ellet. The imperturbable doctor slightly nodded to his visitor as he took a pinch of snuff. "'She seems to take her husband's death very hard.' "'Does she?' replied the doctor. "'I'm sorry to hear,' remarked Mr. Ellet, fidgeting in his chair, "'that there is nothing left for the support of the family.' "'So am I,' said the doctor. "'I suppose the world will talk about us if nothing is done for her,' said the non-committal Mr. Ellet. "'Very likely,' replied the doctor. "'Harry was your child,' said Mr. Ellet suggestively. "'Ruth is yours,' said the doctor. "'Yes, I know.' said Mr. Ellet, but you are better off than I am, doctor. I deny it, I deny it, retorted the doctor, fairly roused. You own the house you live in, and have a handsome income, or ought to have, said he, sneeringly, at the rate you live. If you had brought up your daughter in extravagance, so much the worse for her. You and Ruth must settle that between you. I wash my hands of her." I have no objection to take Harry's children, and try to bring them up in a sensible manner, but, in that case, I'll have none of the mother's interference. Then her hands will be free to earn her own living, and she's none too good for it either. I don't believe in your doll-baby women. She's proud. You're all proud. All your family. That tells the whole story." This was rather plain Saxon, as the increased redness of Mr. Ellet's ears testified, but pecuniary considerations helped him to swallow the bitter pill without making a wry face. "'I don't suppose Ruth could be induced to part with her children,' said Mr. Ellet mediatively. "'Let her try to support them, then, till she gets starved out,' replied the doctor. "'I suppose you know, if the mother's inability to maintain them is proved, the law obliges each of the grandparents to take one.' This was a new view of the case, and one which immediately put to flight any reluctance Mr. Ellet might have had to force Ruth to part with her children, and remarking that he thought upon reflection that the children would be better off with the doctor, Mr. Ellet took his leave. "'I thought that stroke would tell,' said the doctor, laughing, as Mr. Ellet closed the door. "'Yes, you hit the nail right on the head that time,' remarked the old lady. "'But those children will be a sight of trouble. They never sat still five minutes at a time since they were born. But I'll soon cure them of that.' I'm determined Ruth shan't have them, if they fret me to fiddling-strings. But what an avaricious old man Mr. Ellet is! We ought to be thankful we have more of the gospel spirit. But the clock has struck nine, doctor. It is time to have prayers and go to bed. End of chapter 33 Chapter 34 The day was dark and gloomy. Incessant weeping and fasting had brought on one of Ruth's most violent attacks of nervous headache. Ah, 
Where was the hand which had so lately charmed that pain away? Where was the form that, with uplifted finger and tiptoe tread, hushed the slightest sound, excluding the torturing light, changed the heating pillow, and bathed the aching temples? Poor Ruth! Nature had been tasked its utmost with sad memories and weary vigils, and she sank, fainting, to the floor. Well might the frightened children huddle breathless in the farther corner. The coffin, the shroud, and the grave were all too fresh in their childish memory. Well might the tearful prayer go up to the only friend they knew. Please, God, don't take away our mamma, too. Ruth heard it not. Well had she never woke up, but the bitter cup was not yet drained. Good morning, Ruth. said her father a few hours after frowning slightly as ruth's pale face and the swollen eyes of her children met his view sick one of my bad headaches replied ruth with a quivering lip well that comes of excitement you shouldn't get excited i never allow myself to worry about what can't be helped this is the hand of god and you ought to see it I came to bring you good news. The doctor has very generously offered to take both your children and support them. It will be a great burden off your hands. All he asks in return is that he shall have the entire control of them and that you keep away. It is a great thing, Ruth, and what I didn't expect of the doctor, knowing his avaricious habits. Now you'll have something pleasant to think about, getting their things ready to go. The sooner you do it, the better. How soon, think? I can never part with my children, replied Ruth, in a voice which, though low, was perfectly clear and distinct. Perfect madness, said her father, rising and pacing the floor. They will have a good home, enough to eat, drink, and wear, and be taught to disrespect their mother, said Ruth, in the same clear, low tone. Pshaw! said her father impatiently do you mean to let such a trifle as that stand in the way of their bread and butter i'm poor ruth or at least i may be to-morrow who knows so you must not depend on me i want you to consider that before you refuse perhaps you expect to support them yourself you can't do it that's clear and if you should refuse the doctor's offer and then die and leave them he wouldn't take them their father in heaven will said ruth he says leave thy fatherless children with me perversion of scripture perversion of scripture said mr ellet foiled with his own weapons ruth replied only with her tears and a kiss on each little head which had nestled up to her with an indistinct idea that she needed sympathy it is of no use getting up a scene it won't move me ruth said mr ellet irritated by the sight of the weeping group before him and the faint twinges of his own conscience the doctor must take the children there's nothing else left father said ruth rising from her couch and standing before him my children are all i have left to love in pity do not distress me by urging what i can never grant as you made your bed so lie in it said mr ellet buttoning up his coat and turning his back upon his daughter it was a sight to move the stoutest heart to see ruth that night kneeling by the side of those sleeping children with upturned eyes and clasped hands of entreaty and lips from which no sound issued though her heart was quivering with agony 
and yet a pitying eye looked down upon those orphaned sleepers a pitying ear bent low to list to the widow's voiceless prayer end of chapter thirty four chapter thirty five well miss hall you have got your answer ruth won't part with the children said the doctor as he refolded mr ellet's letter i believe you have lived with me forty years come last january haven't you doctor said his amiable spouse what of that i don't see where that remark is going to fetch up miss hall said the doctor you are not as young as you might be to be sure but i'm no boy myself there you go again off the track i didn't make any allusion to my age it's a thing i never do it's a thing i never wish you to do i repeat that i have lived with you these forty years well did you ever know me back out of anything i undertook did you ever see me foiled that letter makes no difference with me harry's children i'm determined to have sooner or later what can't be had by force must be had by stratagem i propose therefore a compromise you and mr ellet had better agree to furnish a certain sum for a while for the support of ruth and her children giving her to understand that it is discretionary and may stop at any minute that will conciliate ruth and will look better too the fact is, Miss Taffety told me yesterday that she heard some hard talking about us down in the village between Mrs. Rice and Deacon Gray, whose child Ruth watched so many nights with when it had the scarlet fever. Yes, it will have a better look, doctor, and we can withdraw the allowance whenever the nine days' wonder is over. These people have something else to do than to keep track of poor widows. I never supposed a useless fine lady like Ruth would rather work to support her children than to give them up. But I don't give her any credit for it now, for I'm quite sure it's all sheer obstinacy, and only to spite us, continued the old lady. Doctor, and the old lady cocked her head one side, and crossed her two forefingers. Whenever you see a blue-eyed, soft-voiced, gentle woman, look out! for a hurricane. I tell you that placid Ruth is a smoldering volcano. That tells the whole story, said the doctor, and speaking of volcanoes, it won't be so easy to make Mr. Ellis subscribe to anything for Ruth's support. He thinks more of one cent than of any child he ever had. I am expecting him every moment, Miss Hall, to talk over our proposal about Ruth. Perhaps you had better leave us alone. You know you have a kind of irritating way if anything comes across you, and you might upset the whole business. As to my paying anything towards Ruth's board, unless he does his full share, you needn't fear. Of course not. Well, I'll leave you said the old lady, with a sly glance at the china closet, though I doubt if you understand managing him alone. Now I could wind him round my little finger in five minutes if I chose, but I hate to stoop to it. I so detest the whole family. I'll shake hands with you there, said the doctor. But that puppy of a hyacinth is my especial aversion, though Ruth is bad enough in her way, a mincing, conceited, tiptoeing, bee-curled, bee-perfumed, popinjay. Fwah! 
"'Do you suppose, Miss Hall, there can be anything in a man who wears fancy neckties, "'a seal ring on his little finger, and changes his coat and vest a dozen times a day? "'No, he's a sensuous fop. That tells the whole story. "'Ought to be picked up with a pair of sugar-tongs and laid carefully on a rose-leaf. "'Ineffable puppy!' "'They made a great fuss about his writings,' said the old lady. "'Who made a fuss?' "'Fudge!' "'There's that piece of his about the Savior. "'He describes him as he would a Broadway dandy. "'That fellow is all surface, I tell you. "'There's no depth in him. "'How should there be? "'Isn't he an ellet? "'But look, here comes his father. "'Good day, doctor. "'My time is rather limited this morning,' "'said Ruth's father nervously. "'Was it of Ruth you wished to speak to me?' "'Yes,' said the doctor.' She seems to feel so badly about letting the children go that it quite touched my feelings, and I thought of allowing her something for a while towards their support. "'Very generous of you,' said Mr. Ellet, infinitely relieved. "'Very.' "'Yes,' continued the doctor. "'I heard yesterday that Deacon Gray and Mrs. Rice, two very influential church members, were talking hard of you and me about this matter. Yes, as you remarked, Mr. Ellet, I am generous, and I am willing to give Ruth a small sum for an unspecified time, provided you will give her the same amount.' "'Me?' said Mr. Ellet. "'Me?' "'I am a poor man, doctor. "'Shouldn't be surprised any day "'if I had to mortgage the house I live in. "'You wouldn't have me die in the almshouse, would you?' "'No, and I suppose you wouldn't be willing that Ruth should,' "'said the doctor, who could take her part "'when it suited him to carry a point. "'Money is tight, money is tight,' said old Mr. Ellet, frowning. "'When a man marries his children, they ought to be considered off his hands. I don't know why I should be called upon. Ruth went out of my family and went into yours, and there she was when her trouble came. Money is tight, though, of course. You don't feel it, doctor, living here on your income with your hands folded.' "'Yes, yes,' retorted the doctor, getting vexed in his turn. "'That all sounds very well, but the question is, what is my income? "'Beside, when a man has earned his money by riding six miles of a cold night "'to pull a tooth for twenty-five cents, "'he don't feel like throwing it away on other folks' children.' "'Are not those children as much your grandchildren as they are mine?' "'said Mr. Ellet sharply, as he peered over his spectacles.' "'Well, I don't know about that,' said the doctor, taking an Esculapian view of the case. "'Shouldn't think they were. Blue eyes, sanguine temperament, like their mother's. Not much hall-blood in em, I fancy. More's the pity.' "'It is no use being uncivil,' said Mr. Ellet, reddening. "'I am never uncivil. I came here because I thought you had something to say. If you have not, I'll go. My time is precious.' "'You have not answered my question yet,' said the doctor. "'I asked you if you would give the same that I would to Ruth for a time, only a short time.' "'The fact is, Mr. Ellet,' continued the doctor, forced to fall back at last upon his reserved argument, 
we are both church members, and the churches to which we belong have a way, which I think is a wrong way, but that's neither here nor there, of meddling in these little family matters. It would not be very pleasant for you or me to be catechized, or disciplined by a church committee. It is my advice to you to avoid such a disagreeable alternative. They say hard things about us. We have a Christian reputation to sustain, Brother Ellet. And the doctor grew pietistic and pathetic. Mr. Ellet looked anxious. If there was anything he particularly prided himself upon, it was his reputation for devoted piety. Here was a desperate struggle, mammon pulling one way, the church the other. The doctor saw his advantage and followed it. Come, Mr. Ellet, what will you give? Here's a piece of paper. Put it down in black and white, said the vigilant doctor. "'Never put anything on paper, never put anything on paper,' said Mr. Ellet, in a solemn tone, with a ludicrously frightened air. "'Parchments, lawyers, witnesses, and things make me nervous.' <laughs> chuckled the old lady from her hiding-place in the china closet. "'Well, then, if you won't put it on paper, tell me what you will give,' said the persistent doctor. "'I'll think about it.' said the frenzied Mr. Elliot, seizing his hat, as if instant escape were his only safety. The doctor followed him into the hall. "'Did you make him do it?' asked the old lady in a hoarse whisper, as the doctor entered. "'Yes, but it was like drawing teeth,' replied the doctor. "'It is astonishing how avaricious he is. He may not stick to his promise now, for he would not put it on paper, and there was no witness.' <laughs> "'Wasn't there, though?' said the old lady, chuckling. "'Trust me for that.'" End of chapter 35